when I ask this question, we are never, ever expecting someone to come on and be 100%. Most people aren't. We want just their truth um, and how they're doing in their journey. So I have to ask, I'm curious, how is the rheumatoid arthritis going? Do you still get symptoms? Are the symptoms better? How, how's it been going? No, well, I do, I, do, I do think it was misdiagnosed, one of all, because I don't have it anymore. And um, after I didn't respond to the drugs, the prednisone, all of the things that I had to go on for an autoimmune condition, and I didn't get any improvement, I went to more rheumatologists, and then they were basically debating, is, the, uh, is it a correct diagnosis or not? So I, I doubt that I actually was diagnosed with an autoimmune. It was probably a false diagnosis or a misdiagnosis at the time. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we're talking to my friend, Aline McCarthy. She is a fellow functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, except she is all the way across the pond, and I mean all the way, in Sydney, Australia. So pretty cool that we get to talk to someone from Australia. This is probably the third or fourth time it's happened on the show in almost 200 episodes now, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Um, But one thing (laughs) that is not so cool about these conversations is the fact that I'm talking to someone who is thousands and thousands of miles away from me, flying, and yet they have the exact same problems in terms of healthcare problems in their country as we do in the United States. How can it be that I talk to people from Europe, from Canada, from Australia, all over the world, and yet they have such similar problems to the ones that we have here in terms of this? right? Because there's more socialized healthcare certain places, there's private healthcare some places. So I'm not saying it's those problems. I mean, each of those systems has its own problems, right? I'm talking about the problems where people have mystery symptoms and don't get answers. I'm talking about the problems where someone goes into a doctor and gets told that nothing's wrong with them. I'm talking about the problems where they the client, that is, or the patient, finds themselves in the cycle of trial and error that we describe in the FDN course, just going from doctor to doctor, trying pill and after pill after pill, uh, perhaps supplement after supplement, and even diet to diet. How is it happening all over the world? It leads me to believe, because I don't really know what else I would believe with this knowledge, that there's a bigger issue here, right? This stems way higher up than we might initially realize. And I don't mean that in some uh, strange conspiracy way necessarily, although I love a good conspiracy. I'm saying it in the sense of we need to think bigger if we actually want to solve these things. Now, one of the best ways to do this is to be on the ground as well, right? You can start super small, but also think big. So it is amazing to be able to do what we do as FDNs and get to just work with the average person one-on-one. We're going to need a heck of a lot of FDNs to get that done, though. And 
if you really want to help this while you're working with these people one-on-one, while you're helping people with coaching or programs or courses, it's also good to share this message as much as possible. Start your own podcast. Spread this one. Spread another one that you like. Whatever it might be, because to really solve these issues, yes, we need to do the groundwork right now, but we need to constantly be pushing up higher and higher and higher because that's probably where the issue is actually stemming from. I digress. <laughs> We're talking to Aline today about her own health journey. You know, she got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in her early 30s, and it didn't really make sense. Um, you know, she was a pretty healthy person. No one could tell her why she got this. No one was able to help her. It got so bad, actually, because RA can be pretty debilitating. It got so bad that she couldn't even play with her own kid. That's an issue. And so, like many people that get on this podcast, she decided, although this is noble, it sucks that people have to do this, she decided that she was going to take matters into her own hands and figure out what was going on with her. Well, we're very thankful that she did because it led to her not only becoming an FDN, but also helping other people around the world. At the time of recording this, she has over 30,000 followers on Instagram, like real followers because of the information that she's sharing. So I highly recommend uh, going and following her. Her Instagram is at the Wellness Witch and um, you can find her at thewellnesswitches.com.au if you are in Australia. I know I don't normally shout out the websites and handles and stuff in the beginning of the episode, but the reason I'm doing that today is because it is kind of a rare opportunity that we get someone from Australia on. And when I look at the analytics, I believe Australia is country number four in terms of our most listened to um, places. So I think it's United States, Canada, UK, Australia in that order. So we see you guys. We appreciate the other countries that are uh, coming up and along here. <laughs> and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Without further ado, let's get to it. All right. Hello there, Arlene. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you as well. This is cool because I was saying to you before we started recording, if I'm not mistaken, this is only the third guest we've ever had that was actually physically in Australia um, during the time of recording. I've met plenty of people from there, but it's interesting to uh, be talking to someone completely different time zone, morning time in your time, right? 5 p.m. here <laughs> um, in Pennsylvania in the United States. So it's cool. And it just shows too that what we're doing is a global thing and it's a global need. This is not just something limited to America. I think we're doing a, a very good job of leading the way of screwing up people's health, uh, but it's not limited to America. It is it is other places as well. And so I'm excited to hear more about your story today and learn about you because this is one of those times, guys, for those of you that are regular listeners, uh, it's my favorite type of podcast because I have a fellow practitioner with me and yet we don't really know much of anything about each other. So it leads to a super honest and natural conversation. So the first question I'd like to start with today, Aline, is what we typically always start with in this podcast podcast. What did your health symptoms look like? And I know that's an assumption, but usually people don't get into this space by accident. So I'm going to assume that maybe you had some health issues um, starting out. And if that's correct, what did those look like? Yeah, absolutely. You're correct with that assumption. Um, well, throughout my 20s, I had recurrent thrush and UDIs anxiety, mood issues, and um, would sort of get panic attacks and stuff like that. And then uh, that was still in Germany. So I'm actually German, but I then moved to Sydney in my late 20s and started working here. Um, I was still in a different industry, in the film industry back then. Um, and 
I started having babies and then, you know, as it often is, the stress, the sleepless nights, the, um, you know, hormonal ups and downs of pregnancy and childbirth and postpartum time um, accumulated to me having um, absolutely debilitating chronic back pain. Um, there was a little bit of a structural issue, but then in the end, no one could really explain why the pain wouldn't improve why it wouldn't go away um i saw every doctor that i could get access to in the end i was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. um i was put on the steroid drugs and treatment um i still didn't get any improvement and so in the end um that diagnosis was kind of revoked because nobody really knew what was going on with me and i was basically just put on uh long term incredible you know disruptive painkillers to manage the pain but there was basically no help from the conventional side um yeah. nobody wanted to see me anymore and i was absolutely desperate because i had tiny children i couldn't pick them up i couldn't walk i couldn't sleep um <clears throat> i then started to see some integrative doctors and um yeah it kind of pushed me in the direction of investigating very deeply what was actually going on with me and that's how i found functional medicine and fell in love with it and i am absolutely pain free now Awesome. The the uh the thing that people don't realize with rheumatoid arthritis sometimes is I think they have a stereotype in their head of, you know, maybe the old person with some pain in their knuckles. And I'm not lessening that. I'm sure that's not fun either, but rheumatoid arthritis is I mean, that's a lot more than that. It can be debilitating for some people as it sounds like it was uh, starting to become if not actually did become for you. I mean, the fact that you can't even interact with your children, that's that's serious. And I'm sorry, I may have uh, missed the timeline. So by the time you got the diagnosis, are you in your 20s still? Or are you in your early 30s? I was in my early 30s then. So this okay. was after I had my second child. Everything just, my whole health just sort of started collapsing. And uh, yeah. I still don't Got know it. what actually was going on other than, you know, I obviously started to discover I had gut issues and hormonal issues and, and I had to start working my way through that to get better. Yeah. And okay. So that's the thing that doesn't meet the stereotypical picture of this at all, where someone might think of like some old person's like, okay, you were in your early thirties. Uh, you should be in basically the prime of your life in many senses. And yet here you are with this. And I find this is so common in America as well. The autoimmune epidemic, I mean, cancer is something that everyone talks about, right? We know it as a serious thing. If someone in our family that we love gets diagnosed with cancer, it's immediately taken to a hundred percent. You're like, whoa, we need to take care of this person. And and certainly cancer can be more deadly than a lot of autoimmune diseases, generally speaking. But autoimmune disease is an epidemic. I mean, there are so many different types. A lot of the people that have autoimmune diseases end up getting more than one and it can be debilitating in its own sense, right? Yes. There's usually, thankfully, not this ticking time bomb over the person's head where they're like wondering how much time they have left. Some autoimmune diseases that can be, but the difference is for this person that if you don't get the help, as you know, because Western medicine was not able to help you with this, even with their treatments, you can suffer with these things for decades and never get any relief. So when you started to study this outside of yourself, uh, I have a a question because I'm curious about this and the regular listeners know I'm kind of obsessed with this question. I love to know what was going through people's minds at the time. So you started doing your own research. I get that. But 
I want to know why. And what I mean by that is, Aline, there are so many people that I know, and I don't know if this is a common theme in what you're seeing in Australia, but I would assume this is universal. There are many people that I know that are like you, and they get the diagnosis, the treatment doesn't work, but then they quit because... Well, for maybe a variety of reasons, maybe they just don't believe that they could possibly know more than the doctor. They don't trust themselves, whatever it might be, but they quit. They don't keep doing their own research. So why did you believe that you could even figure this out? Why didn't you just throw in the towel? Well, first of all, my upbringing in Germany, um, there was a lot of access to homeopathics, homeopathic medicine, and even GPs in Germany back in the 80s and 90s when I was a kid were quite open to, particularly with children, first try a herbal cough syrup or um, something herbal rather than giving prescription meds to children. Um, saying that there was still a lot of antibiotic use going on even, you know, back then. Um, but then also my husband is an osteopath here in Australia. So um, I was already um, on the side of integrative medicine and other options. Um, so I was already open to that, I suppose, compared to other people. I already believed that there is more to it than just taking a prescription drug. Okay, fair enough. I was curious about that. And that's interesting because I've interviewed a few people from, well, definitely European backgrounds, but especially Eastern uh, Europe, I find that not only, I mean, are they very into the Eastern medicine, no pun intended, but they are almost like rebellious against Western medicine. Sometimes we have a, uh, a local business here in Pennsylvania. And the one woman that comes in, her mom is uh, Ukrainian. And I mean, I'm not recommending this, right? We all know that we should be using Western medicine when we can and then using functional medicine when it's appropriate. But she does not want to use a dang thing Western medicine-wise. It is like, I only want to do the natural. And I I respect it. There's a time and place for both. But I I find it interesting that, I mean, America has become the exact opposite. Even if people know that there might be natural ways, they still just want to take the pill and see what can happen. Um, There's no personal responsibility in the mix. So I give anyone, especially you, a lot of credit for taking that journey um, and just saying, hey, you know what? I think I can figure this out. I'm going to try to. What were some of the first things in your research that you came across that maybe worked for you? And when I say worked for you, it's not like it had to work 100%. uh, But typically how these stories go is we do our own research. We start experimenting with different natural things. And we find something that maybe gets things moving a little bit. And then we get inspired and become more confident. So um, what was the first one or two things that you remember working for you? for this condition? I was obviously receiving um, osteopathic treatment and Mm -hmm. um, acupuncture really helped. Um, And obviously, you know, I was exploring all of the different body works to get out of pain. But then I also started working on my gut health and my nutrition. And, um, you know, I had to wean myself off the pain medication as well. So it slowly all started to come together, but it did take time and it did take work. Cool. How did this eventually land you into the world of like becoming a practitioner yourself? Because again, that's a whole nother level. You know, you have the people that are sick never research, sick and do research and get better. And then the people that say, Hey, I want to go do this, um, you know, as a job, I want to do this with my life. So when did you make that decision? And how did you find that? Um, Well, funnily enough, as a child, I remember walking around saying, I am going to be a doctor, but not a normal (laughs) doctor. 
Um, wow. <laughs> and I had I remember that inherent feeling of knowing it so deeply that that was my mission in life, but I kind of lost it later, you know, like how you get sidetracked by what society wants from you. And I studied engineering um, for media and I ended up in the film industry which was part of the things that was making me really unwell, actually, the stress and the pressure and not being, um, you know, in alignment of what I was actually meant to be doing. Um, So when I did find, um, you know, I was getting better, uh, I I was just endlessly fascinated. There is this everything in me clicked, every light bulb went off and I just, to this day still can't stop learning and learning and learning because it's endlessly fascinating to me. And I really feel like it's my mission, my purpose in this life. So I'm I'm actually very grateful that I I had to go down this path. It was horrible. It was a very hard time, very challenging time to be physically that sick. Um, but I am very grateful that it's brought me to where I am now. It's so cool how many times this is a part of someone's story with the health stuff where they just feel like this is their path. They know it's in alignment. I mean, that's certainly true for me and many of the people that I interview. Um, it sometimes makes me wonder, like, are there not just, are a bunch of people and souls just like coming here to get sick and then help other people get well? Like, I don't know, but I feel like so many people just, like the fact that you had that knowing at that age, before you even had the diagnosis it is crazy. I mean, it makes you wonder, like, are there just certain things that we can see before they happen? And if it was my first time hearing it, I might just think, okay, well, that's a cute thing. And, you know, that's nice, but maybe it doesn't have a lot of validity. I mean, Aline, I've heard this hundreds of times at this point. People just felt like they knew that this was their path. And I'm one of those people. So um, I get that. That's cool. When you were going through um, your studies and and taking different stuff, because obviously you eventually did um, FDN, but did you do any other courses? Yeah, I did. I did a mentorship in functional medicine. I am still enrolled in the Karazian Institute for a clinical mastership of functional medicine there. So yeah, I'm, I'm still doing a lot, but FDN nice. brought a lot of the pieces together that initially I didn't have. Nice. So when did you um, go through the FDN course? And uh, Sorry, I guess I should word it as when did you graduate? Uh, that was actually this year. I graduated nice. this year. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. And how long, do you remember how long it took you to get through the course? Uh, I was pretty quick. I already had a lot of knowledge in functional medicine, so I think it took me about six months. Nice. Awesome. I I like to ask this question sometimes. I don't ask it nearly enough, but I I want people to know that one, there are a variety of different amounts of times that it takes people to get through this. There's some people it takes the full 12 months. That is totally okay. Um, But people that put their heads down and really like focus, yes, this can be done um, in five, six or seven months. And so it's kind of amazing the opportunity that we have here because half a year flies by. That's nothing. I mean, the older that I get, um, really past the age of 18, I found Every year seems to fly by. It's kind of nuts. It's almost scary. Like you realize how short your time is here. And so six months is nothing. And then you could be done the course and like literally ready to charge 
very good amounts for what we do and you can genuinely help other people. So you said that you had a good amount of knowledge before you got into the FDN world. That makes sense. Um, I find that happens with a lot of our practitioners. We would love if they found FDN before they knew all this stuff. But unfortunately, we're still in a place where people, they kind of have to dig through some of the stuff to to find us. <laughs> That's for sure. So when you were going through the course, though, certainly you learned a, f- a few new things. So what were some of the coolest things that you learned in the course? And it might have been even um, the lab tests that you got to run on yourself. Like what were some of the findings that you got? Yeah, absolutely. It was the lab tests that brought it all together for me, which I didn't um, have access to previously. And uh, I definitely found out that my um, hormones were starting to decline because I'm in my early 40s now. Um, I still had some gut dysbiosis to clean up, which was actually um, also a little bit surprising because I had been working on my gut quite for a long time. But, you know, it just comes to show that things do take time and you need to continuously keep working on it because our environment also still exposes us to stuff. And, um, yeah, it was definitely that uh, bringing together the the knowledge but then being able to actually see it in labs Um, see it in a variety of different labs and really helping people see the big picture rather than just, um, you know, vaguely thinking, chasing symptoms and um, potentially leaving some healing opportunities um, hidden. Right. I think that's probably the best part about FDN in many ways is when we do finally see the labs. Uh, It's very validating to many of us for those of us who have been through symptoms for a while. And it's empowering too, because to know that we have access now for the rest of our lives, as long as we're in good standing with FDN, which is pretty easy to do, all you have to do is be a half decent person and you can do that. uh, You will always be able to have these in your back pocket to figure out what's going on with you health-wise if something comes up or for a family member or a friend, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, So did you utilize the FDN trainee community a lot? Was that something that you were engaged in um, when you went through the course or did you kind of do your own thing? No, absolutely. I found the Facebook group with the, you know, the live trainings and um, support was going on. Absolutely. Even almost the best part of the whole training. And I continue to find it um, after graduation to be part of the professional group, um, I find it to be absolutely invaluable and the continued expertise and education and support that's going on there is absolutely outstanding, I think. Yeah. The professionals group, I always say this and I stand by it. I would pay the cost of tuition just to have access to that group. That is, it's, a think tank of FDNs. There is nothing that I couldn't ask in there that someone could not help me with. And that's kind of, and it applies to business too. That's the craziest part. It'd be one thing if it just did the health side, I could ask any business question and someone would be able to help me out with that too. Um, I'm so jealous of you guys for having the FDN trainee group. Uh, Cause when I went through five and a half years ago, like we didn't have this group of people that were actively training. So um, you kind of just worked with your mentor. There was a few less sessions. You really did FDN quite independently. And now um, at the time of recording this, my girlfriend, one of my best friends and his girlfriend are all actively training in the course right now. And so it's, it's awesome that they get this trainee group and get to really just interact with a lot of the FDN mentors prior to um, having ever graduated. Now, one question I did not ask you so far is, were you in business for yourself were you working with people prior to going through fdn yes i was not for very long but i had been working with clients already yeah 
Okay, cool. So when you finished FDN and now you have the labs and this extra knowledge, um, how has that been able to help you on the business side of things? Well, it sets me apart from other cultures in the industry to be able to run labs and be more science-based, but also um, client-to-client base. I find, again, um, compliance with client has, um, you know, skyrocketed because they can now see it in a lab, what's actually going on with them. So they actually are more likely to stick with the program, um, to retest and, you know, see and reap the rewards before I had people um, sort of, uh, you know, not be really committed, still doubting things when things weren't improving as quickly as they wanted to. They would go like, oh, this isn't working and it might drop off. Whereas now they have seen it in a lab, they are like, okay, I, I need to address this, I need to fix this. So it's been really helpful from that side, but also the confidence um, has just grown for me. So that is always incredibly helpful for business. If the more confident you are, um, the more you know tools you have in your toolbox, obviously as well, really helps business-wise. This, there's two really great points there. The confidence thing matters so much. It's it's very subtle. It's an energy type of thing. I don't think people are thinking about it consciously. But if I go up to someone and I have to, quote unquote, sell them on my services or what I'm doing, people, we can sense this in people when they believe what they're pushing or not. You know what I mean? Um, and so when I went through other programs prior to FDN, they were good programs. But like what you're talking about, I didn't feel like I had the confidence to help every person. I'm not saying I can get every person to 100% right now. I'm not a miracle worker. I'm not a doctor. But there is literally no one that I have ever met now in the last five and a half years that's sick or dealing with chronic symptoms that I do not believe I can't help in some way. And when you genuinely believe that, when you see what happens to your own health as you go through the FDN program, you are able to talk to people with this level of authority and level of confidence that you cannot fake. It's genuine. Um, and so does that mean you're going to sell everyone on your services? No. Is your percentage of sales going to go through the roof compared to when you don't have the confidence? Yeah. Um, and then the second point was the compliance thing. Because and this was a really brilliant point. I had this uh, acupuncturist that I go to uh, locally, and I love this guy. It's a good friend of mine. But he brought up to me one point. He said, Evan, don't you think that running the labs on people, because he doesn't utilize labs. Well, now he's changing it up a little bit, but he didn't before. He said, don't you think that running these labs with people, don't you think it just scares them once they get the results? And what I said to him is I said, my friend, I am so glad that you have never been sick enough that that's what you think this go. Uh, that's what goes through these people head these people's heads when they get the results. They are not scared; they're happy, and like you said, they're compliant. Um, and maybe I'm sorry, happy might be the wrong word. They are empowered and hopeful now because someone has finally been able to tell them what is wrong with them. And by the way, not only can we tell you what's wrong, we have a plan for you. We can help you get past this and get through this. So that's never a bad thing. It's a great thing, and of course it. Um, encourages compliance. That's so true with like the food sensitivity testing rate. It's a lot easier to remove gluten when you know you have a gluten sensitivity on a test versus when some pra- uh, practitioner just tells you to remove gluten, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have people um, crying in some of the sessions because finally somebody has at least some hope and an idea for them what might be might have been going in on for them sometimes for decades. Mm-hmm. 
they've been suffering for decades and they, you know, didn't want to give up hope, but they couldn't find a solution. And then you give them, show them on tests what could be causing this, like the metabolic chaos that's going on in their body. They're actually relieved and, as you say, empowered because they're like, oh, my God, finally somebody's giving me some glimpses into what can be worked on to maybe improve some of my symptoms and help me feel better so that I don't feel like they are hopeless anymore. So that's an amazing thing for for people to feel. Yeah. We... When I ask this question, we are never, ever expecting someone to come on and be 100%. Most people aren't. We want just their truth um, and how they're doing in their journey. So I have to ask, I'm curious, how is the rheumatoid arthritis going? Do you still get symptoms? Are the symptoms better? How, how's it been going? No. Well, I do, I, do, I do think it was misdiagnosed, one of all, because I don't have it anymore. And um, after I didn't respond to the drugs, the prednisone, all of the things that I had to go on for an autoimmune condition and I didn't get any improvement, I went to more rheumatologists and then they were basically debating is the – uh, is it a correct diagnosis or not? So I, I doubt that I actually was diagnosed with an autoimmune. It was probably hmm. a false diagnosis or a misdiagnosis at the time. Um, but also I have, um, you know, no more pain. I can lift weights. I lift heavy weights. I I feel great. So Nice. That's so cool. And this is also an interesting side point about like the possible misdiagnosis. I think two things happen with autoimmunity. Ironically, when people do have an autoimmune disease, sometimes that doesn't get diagnosed ever. And then on the flip side, yeah, sometimes symptoms, especially the pain-related ones, can get diagnosed as an autoimmune disease because that's all Western medicine has when it's really not that at all. Um, it's, it, it is. It's, it's metabolic chaos in a sense, right? There's other things going on that are leading to the pain that aren't necessarily fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis. Those diagnoses do exist, that's for sure, um, but it's not always the case. And at the very least, I 100% believe autoimmune disease can be put into remission. I've seen it a million times. So uh, regardless of what it was that was causing it, it's just great to know that you're feeling better now and have went from someone who could barely, you know, really manage the kids to being able to lift heavy weights early in the, her early forties. I think that's, that's just a true testament uh, to what we're doing in the functional space in general, not just FDN. So when you work with clients now, do you have a specific type of person, like a niche that you like to work with, or is it more broad? Who, who's your ideal client? Uh, well, an ideal client is a mum in their 40s uh, because I can obviously really relate to them. Um, I know what stage they're in with the hormones usually and, you know, what kind of age their children would be in. But my niche um, online is more gut health. Um, that's what fascinates me. I do think one, working on gut health, you know, your hormones, everything else downstream definitely improves. It doesn't matter if it's a thyroid or a you know, whatever people are struggling with, you do always need to work on your gut health. So kind of um, that's what fascinates me. I also love because we can always improve people's nutrition. Um, I truly believe food is our medicine. Um, Hitting all of those foundational pieces of the dress for health protocol, right, your diet, rest, exercise, stress, um, and supplementation for me is 
obviously something that we need to jump into to address the stuff showing up in the labs. But if we don't have that first part of the dress protocol in place, the supplements are going to do very little. So I love working on gut health because it um, includes all of that nutritional piece. And often I can get people feeling crazy amounts better just by them actually having better food on their plate every single day. Yeah, it's... (laughs) I don't want to insult anyone that's listening that is super sick. I I would hope that this is taken as a good thing. It's actually kind of crazy how fast you can make people feel better by doing what in our world is very simple things. I mean, the labs are great. We can get really fancy if we need to get fancy with someone. Uh, But at the end of the day, you give me the standard American, which I would assume is pretty similar to the standard Australian, and you have someone that we can help within a matter of days, really, uh, just by changing very basic stuff that they've never been taught about. Um, So your client base, I mean, obviously one of the perks of being an FDN and working online is we have access to labs all around the world. I mean, we have FDN practitioners in over 50 countries and counting. Do you work exclusively with people from Australia or have you taken clients all over the world? Yeah, I mean, um, I've got a pretty big Instagram profile, so I do see people from everywhere. I had a person from uh, Jamaica jump on a call, you know, so, uh, but mainly it's obviously English speaking countries because I do speak English on my social media. So um, it's funny, I haven't ever had a German client because I obviously don't speak German on my profile. Maybe I should start doing that. Uh, to connect to my home country more, yeah. but uh, it's usually UK, US, and Australia. Awesome. I feel like uh, it would be pretty darn hard to do the lab analysis in a language, yeah, we might not be familiar with. So, um, yes, definitely sticking to English and German for you would probably be a good idea. Um, when you're working in Australia, something I actually I should know this as staff, and I, I'm pretty sure this is correct, but I couldn't list off what they are. You're Are you using different lab tests than us? Uh, Some of them are uh, slightly different, but not not a crazy amount. We also run the Dutch test, um, you know, stress hormones, saliva tests and stuff like that. They sometimes just funnily look different in uh, when the report comes back, even though it's a Dutch test, it looks a little bit different here in the printout. But um, yeah, otherwise pretty, pretty much the same. Got it. I think a better question than I should have asked is because this could be personal to you. I mean, listen, guys, if you're listening to this, I don't want to confuse anyone, but I always mention this. If you go through FDN, we teach you a system. I highly recommend that when you graduate, you don't reinvent the wheel. Try it for a little bit, and then you can customize it how you want. I mean, we have access to over 60 labs for a reason. No one's stuck in a box. You can do what you'd like to do. But especially if you don't know where to start, don't reinvent the wheel. Do what we have known has worked for years and years. Um, But the better question that I could ask then is when you are working with clients, um, I'm sure maybe maybe you have packages and stuff. Um, So let's just assume we're talking about the the fullest and biggest program that you have. Um, How many labs will that person run and which labs are you using? Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you now. Um, So yeah, I will definitely, um, usually what I do is I run functional blood chemistry because everybody here has good, uh, has very good access through Medicare to get their bloods taken. And I kind of specialize in that. I did a lot of work, um, you know, intensive training on blood chemistry. And I, 
love that it is, you know, even accepted in conventional medicine and Western medicine as a, the most valid test. So it opens up the opportunity to also collaborate with doctors and stuff more once you can show them that you are knowledgeable enough to, um, you know, assess that. Um, I also usually run um, a, a GI map or what we call here complete microbiome mapping, obviously, because I do specialize in gut health. Um, I very often would obviously run a SIBO breath test because a lot of the ladies that come in are extremely bloated. And, you know, I do suspect SIBO when they tick a couple of the boxes. Um, and then we usually run um, a hormone test as well. So either the Dutch or stress hormones, I'm kind of marrying between the two. Okay, so that is pretty cool. And that's a little different. And that's, that's what works for you in your practice. Because like the functional blood chemistry, it's something that FDNs can learn. And I, I do encourage people to consider that if you're going to do one of the advanced courses. Um, because advanced blood chemistry is awesome since it is US-based. When you have a client that runs blood work, which most of them will with their doctor at some point, um, especially the basic markers, like even in America, almost all health insurance that we have here is going to cover those basic markers. So you can now analyze something that they got for free at their doctor. And I mean, free, quote unquote, um, you know, cheap enough. And so now you can help them in a way that was really cost effective, because that's the thing as an FDN, we're always trying to be intelligent with the money because we're not making money off the lab tests. We're not lab salespeople. We don't get some kickback at the end of the year and we get a free vacation. Um, that's the pharmaceutical reps, right? They get to do that, but not us, unfortunately. Um, just a little pun. I'm not making too much fun of our pharmaceutical friends. We have plenty of pharmaceutical we're reps that are FDNs, but, but still. <laughs> no, no, you go, you go. <laughs> No, that's, that's all right. We're open to the holiday at the end of the year if anyone wants to give it to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, if they want to start doing it, I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, we have to be conscious of the money that we're spending. And so the blood chemistry can be a great thing. And like SIBO testing, that's interesting that you've started uh, utilizing that in your practice. I actually don't know many FDNs that do that as um, kind of a straight up thing. So with your clientele, these let's let's call the average client of yours, that 40 something year old mom um, with the gut health issues, what are some common patterns that you might be seeing in their lab tests? Like, are there certain bugs that are coming up more often than not? Is there certain and hormonal patterns. I'm, I'm really always curious about this because it does vary from demographic to demographic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, most people uh, nowadays probably doesn't matter which age, but I've definitely seen dysbiosis across the board, mm -hmm. right? Just a general sort of depletion of the microbiome and then other opportunistic bugs or not so good bugs, obviously, then taking the hand and, and running the playground show. Um, definitely a lot of parasites and H. pylori going around for sure as well. Australia is quite heavy in blasto and uh, giardia and hmm. things like that, dientamoeba, you know. Um, I'm not sure if that's because of the waterways and people swimming a lot and, and you know, those sort of critters obviously being, um, hmm. you know, in, in waterways and stuff as well, but it's definitely a thing here. Um, and then with the hormones, I just obviously for women in their 40s who are already in perimenopause, we often see that their progesterone is already quite low. Um, so they're getting all of the symptoms in their second part of the cycle where they might not be sleeping well, they might be starting to get really crazy headaches just before their period. 
they might be getting heavier periods and stuff like that. And I can definitely see that in labs. So their DHEA, their progesterone might be low. Um, Estrogen looks high in comparison, but it's actually not because it's obviously also on a decline. And a lot of women just are not aware that it can start that early, actually in your 30s already. Um, and, you know, we're not being taught that our doctor basically dismisses us when we go. Uh, I've done this myself. I've been to the GP many times and they always say, oh, come back to me when you're in your 50s. They don't want to hear about it when you're in your early 40s. Uh, and then and then they wanted to put me on a pill. Right. So I was like, I do not need to go on a pill. I'm actually genuinely asking for help for my hot flushes and my sleepless nights, and, you know, in the week before my period and stuff like that. So uh, and then, you know, when I run the SIBO breast test, I, I only run that when I have a strong suspicion and a person sort of ticks all of the boxes with their bloating, um, diarrhea, constipation sort of symptoms. Um because we can kind of see um, methane bacteria in a GI map as well. Um, but uh, when I do run it, I obviously then often see, you know, either a methane or um, uh, an imbalance there with the bacteria as well. And then we can also see how long it will approximately take for them to be on an antimicrobial protocol to see those levels come back to normal. So, it's empowering to the client because, again, we can kind of say, well, you know, you've got really high levels. It's definitely going to take two or three rounds of antimicrobial treatment, and yeah. then we're going into the maintenance protocol. So it's not going to be done in a month. Like you're looking at six to nine months just to get on top of it, right? And then we still need to investigate the root cause of it as well. So, Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the parasites being a really common thing. Um, I'm not saying that I don't see them sometimes here. And every one of my clients, yes, every single one of my clients has always been US based. Um, but it's interesting to see this from the Australian perspective that like, it's much more prevalent, it sounds like I, in five and a half years of doing this, even though we learned about Giardia, I have never once seen Giardia actually show up on a test that I ran with a client. Um, Blasto comes up occasionally, but it's really those two. I mean, that's about it. Uh, the only other thing I've ever seen, and he shared this publicly so I, I can talk about it, um, is my friend Eric. He's actually a business partner of mine, but his other business is he owns a dog training facility and he had a very specific parasite that um, one of our medical directors, for those that don't know, our medical directors are people who, well, it's really our clinical advisors, sorry. Our clinical advisors are people that we actually have access to as FDNs. And when we run certain tests, we get consults with them and we can get a second set of eyes on our clients' test results. So I always use those. I love talking to those guys. And um, it was Dustin that I, I worked with for this one. And Dustin said to me, Aline, he said, I've only seen this parasite in one other person. And of course, this is a guy that looks at tons of these tests. Yeah. And guess what? Her job was a dog trainer. She also trained dogs just like my uh, friend. And so we we found out, sure enough, it is a parasite that's very common in dogs. Not the worst one in the world, but no one would even think to look for this thing or test for this thing, let alone actually be able to find it and do something for the person. So that's really about all I see. It's interesting to me that that comes up so much in Australia. And then, yeah, it's just, I mean, those people are going to have to be dedicated because that can be, you know, a half a year to a year long process. But as we mentioned before, People start feeling better, though, within a matter of a couple of weeks. So by the time we're at month six or nine, right, they might feel, what, 50, 60, 70 percent better. Now we're just doing the rest of the work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like usually we see symptoms improve relatively quickly, as you say. Like if I don't see some of their symptoms improve within the first three weeks, I'm starting to get a little bit dubious and then I kind of might have to, um, you know, zone in a bit more on their diet or, you know, ask them more questions about are they ticking the other boxes of the dress for health protocol and stuff like that. But that's sort of around the time where I usually expect to see some sort of improvement, saying that if if I do see people with autoimmune conditions, um, sometimes we don't see that that quickly, even with um, them completely adhering to an autoimmune, autoimmune paleo diet and stuff like that. Um, it's certainly when they're in a complete flare-up, it's going to take quite a while usually to get them to feel significantly better. So they're actually saying, oh, yeah, I do feel different. But then I've also had people where I very hesitantly took them on and kind of was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you've had this for so long, you've been so chronic, and they have all of these crazy symptoms uh, including neurodegeneration and stuff like that, where I, you know, I don't really tell the client, but in myself, I'm thinking, oh, the prognosis to get this person better is very limited, you know, like they have tried a whole range of things and no one has gotten be- gotten them better. They're already taking a whole range of drugs. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try everything that I can for this person, but I'm not sure how much, I can get them better. And within three weeks, they're basically a transformed person, which then is a massive surprise as well. So both things can still happen. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how how horrible people feel. So I never, I, I just want people to know to not give up hope, even if they've had something yeah. very chronic and something terrible going on. Nice. I, I fully admit to that as well, by the way. I still to this day have these issues where like, yeah, if someone comes to you and like they know their stuff, right? Like they've done research and you're yeah. like, wow, and you still don't feel better? Um, and they're like, no. And then so you you get a little bit of nerves. You're like, can I actually help this person? This just happened recently. But then what's amazing is our training is very thorough. I couldn't believe what some of these practitioners missed in these other people. Like the woman that I'm I'm working with right now, she had mercury that was through the roof on an HTMA test. And the practitioner said it would go away over time. They didn't even do a protocol for it. I'm like, it was literally off the charts, Aline. I'm like, okay, yes, I guarantee it's going to go down if you stop doing the things that you're doing, but that's not something that disappears in six months or even a year. You have to you have to be conscious about that. You have to do something about it. And um, I made a deal with her. I was kind of joking, but I made a deal. I said, how about we do a retest? And if it's still high... Um, you know, we work through the protocol and if it lowered to where that practitioner said it would, I'll pay for your test. And sure enough, the test was nowhere near where it should have been. Right. Um, so it's just, it's kind of funny. Like these other people really do miss a lot of stuff and we have a lot of options for helping, uh, practitioners. So never doubt that as an FDN, that's a great point. Now I'm curious, uh, do you have any, I know that you've in the grand scheme of things, it's not like you've been doing it that long, but it does sound like you've worked with plenty of people at this point. Um, you, you mentioned you've had some success on like Instagram and stuff. So that's probably a great way to draw in clients. I, I'm curious, is there any client testimonials? I know that you probably can't share names sometimes. I get that. But I'm just curious if there's any stories of clients that got a lot better working with you that really just uh, stick out and that might be fun to share with the audience. I always love hearing other people's stories. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, that person, that lady with the neurodegenerative issues, she was put on ADHD medication, on anxiety medication. She had to quit work. Um, She couldn't even work anymore. She was so tired and debilitated by her um, chronic pain all over her body, um, gut issues, like so much stuff going on and she had seen every doctor under the world she had seen naturopaths and stuff like that and uh, basically I picked up that um, she had three different massive head traumas from when she was a child then a teenager she had terrible falls onto her head and then she had a motor vehicle accident um, a couple of years ago which is the last thing that kind of threw her over the edge it was actually the accident that changed her life And then, uh, um, you know, I was like, this is not a gut issue. It's a brain issue. Your your brain cells are primed. Um, We need to first and foremost calm the brain inflammation down to get your other symptoms to get better. And, yeah, pretty much just started working with diet because she lives in New Zealand. Her um, supplements take ages to arrive. It's a bit of an issue since COVID as well just to get supplements to people. Um, over here and um, so it was mostly 95% she was just working on her diet stabilizing her blood sugars you know eating enough protein going on autoimmune paleo that that sort of stuff and she within three weeks she was out hiking off her meds like I didn't tell her to come off but she didn't want sure, to, sure. she didn't need to take them obviously she just was like I feel great um, I feel like I've got my life back I'm, you know, my partner is absolutely blown away. And that is obviously a beautiful story of, um, you know, how quickly we can get people better that even had to quit work and had zero hope of, of getting better. It's so cool. I, because again, it's one thing to hear about people like us who are practitioners. Obviously we live very different lifestyles than the average person. And then maybe people hear those stories and they're like, well, yeah, they're super passionate about this. Of course, of course they can do it. But then no, there's clients of ours too, man, that they are otherwise normal people. They have jobs that are not related to this and they do get better doing this stuff. And what's fascinating about that story is the fact that, I mean, I understand there was a lot more to it, but the fact that the car accident was this huge issue, right? And yet FDN and the principles can still help someone recover from even something like that indirectly, right? That's just amazing. There's there's really no limitations to what the body can do when it is uh, truly healthy. So uh, just that's awesome. Great job. And one other thing, because we have a little time, I think I have enough time for this question. I was wondering, because just in my head, it seems like Compared to some people, you've had a decent amount of success on the business side. Um, like, are, are you doing this full time? Can I ask? Yeah, yeah, pretty much full time. Okay, I will. Well, for someone who graduated this year, even though it's the end of the year, I get that. But you only graduated this year. You were taking clients a little bit before FDN, like you said, but it was pretty slow. Um, for you to be full time now, that, that's amazing, right? To be able to do that. So, what is um maybe like one business tip that you have for people that are just starting off, like that led to your success uh, over these last couple of years? What would be the number one tip be? Yeah, be confident. You know, you need to be confident enough to put yourself on social media, to speak to people, um, to 
to know that you can help people. That's where it all starts because otherwise you're going to hold yourself back. You're going to doubt yourself. You're, um, you've got so much support from uh, the AFDN community and the mentors and stuff still ongoing. So don't doubt yourself and just actually go for it. Awesome. And hey, if you need any after any of that extra confidence, you know, find something like FDN or find anything that has practitioners that are able to go do this work because you'll be able to tell. Um, the reason we have so many practitioners running around doing this is because they feel like they have the confidence with the system that we have to be able to help people. So uh, it's a beautiful thing. Aline, where can people find you if they'd like to work with you? And I know that you said, I mean, you take clients all over the world, but this is a unique opportunity for people that might be in Australia just for the sake of the the time zone thing, right? Because I mean, look at what we're doing right now. I mean, this is almost 5 p.m., 6 p.m. on a Sunday for me at, at night. And then, uh, you know, you're sitting there in the morning. So many of our people listening probably don't have the opportunity to always work with someone from Australia. So where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram mostly under the Wellness Witches um, or uh, my website is www.thewellnesswitches.com.au. Excellent. My final question for you today is the signature question on the Health Detective Podcast. This is how we always finish. Um, it's nothing too complicated, but it's just a fun one that I like to do. And the question is this. If I could give you a magic wand and you could wave it and get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, so you can choose either one thing that you make them do or one thing that you stop them from doing, what mm -hmm. is the one thing that Aline would get them to do? prioritize sleep i think that is uh, so undervalued every single cell in your body has a circadian clock um we are all exposed to screen light we don't spend enough time in nature anymore i think the um, health disruption from not sleeping enough and having too much blue light and not enough uh, you know sunlight is absolutely massive Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on with us today and for being like our third or fourth Australian guest ever. Amazing. Thank you so much. It was good fun. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's episode with Aline McCarthy. Always fun, again, talking to someone from way across the pond. It's going to be interesting over time to see how many different countries we can get on this podcast. I'm going to have to go back one day and start keeping track of that. I've never really thought about that prior to this, but it'll be interesting to see how we can stack them up along the way. If you are looking to work with someone in Australia, then this is a rare opportunity to get to do so from this podcast. You guys know where to find her. You can go into the show notes and see her website there. I encourage encourage you to reach out if you feel so inclined. I am looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, though. I will be back with a pretty interesting video interview um, episode where we're actually analyzing some live lab results. But until then, please take care.